Okay, hello, it is me, your host, fellow worker Jason, here with my co-host, fellow worker Derek, for another great episode of the One Big Podcast. Today, we're getting juicy, everybody. We're, we're diving in to the deep end of national politics here in the IWW. We're talking about the current drama, the saga that is uh, the recall <laughs> election. But copyright free Star Wars music. <laughs> is, it, is, is, is it a recall? Are we doing it? Are we not doing it? Is it? Know, it's, it's, it's real stop and go. Yeah, it's a it's a real um, cluster um, of, of a saga, you know, just like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just like Star Wars. Uh, so, Derek, it's just us today because uh, scheduling. But let's let's run the people in case anybody that's listening isn't caught up. Let's run them down with the briefest of bullet points, as brief as we can make it. What's going on? I mean, you're asking me to be brief. Let me see. Deep breath. Deep yeah, breath. I know. I'm asking you to be brief. Is like it was like asking me to eat vegetables. But how many how many whereases should I put? In this <laughs> I mean, I think it's I think it's actually pretty simple. Um, uh, we have a general executive board in the union. The general executive board is responsible for administering the constitution and um, following up on the will of the members as established in convention. And there are. A group of them that are being recalled by um, workers in the union. They're trying to be recalled based on a number of things that the recallers, as I may call, as I may call them, the the, Good the what do they call themselves? The committee on the petition. For the recall, <laughs> not as good of a band name. <laughs> um, the re- I'm going to call it the re- the the recall petition committee. Um, okay. You know that uh, that the recall pe- the, re- the recall petition committee has kind of laid a- at the union and said, "This is what we think the problem is. Here's why we think that these three individuals should be recalled." And what, where what we are now is like the end of that. What What is the problem? What is the main issue they're having? I know there was a list of... Uh, There's a 12-point list, Jason. 12-point list. All right. Like it's AA. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> I, I mean, so I want to... I, I kind of want to start personally up front by just saying that, um, you know, laying my own cards on the table. I do not support the recall. And I understand where they're coming from. I do not... I, I, I do not personally think that the recall... I personally do think the recall should go forward because I believe that it's had hit the necessary votes for the democratic processes of the union to unfold. And that's kind of where the, that's kind of the drama where we are now is why hasn't that democratic process unfolded? There are points that we're about to review a little bit here that I consider, um, I consider good points and kind of think there are points that would, that made me think twice about whether or not I wanted to sign the recall petition. But a lot of these, I, I, I personally disagree with, but I'm going to go through them in as fair a way as I can. And uh, and also I'll put my, my cards also on the table. I didn't sign the petition either for various reasons. And then I, again, like you, it was very much like, okay, but like people did sign it. So maybe we should go forward with it. Yeah. I mean, there's really no maybe about it. We should yeah. be going forward with it. Um, I mean, personally, Right there you go. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so their their twelve point um, document, which they titled "Evidence," which is a thing that I took issue with. I I, I I have a real problem with the rhetorical angle of this is evidence when a lot of these feel a little a little political to me. Like this is our position, and we disagree with how the GEB is handling things. Like willful refusal to allow an emergency referendum, and this relates back to amendment. This, this relates back to the no strike clause amendment. This has gone um, all the way back to Burgerville. This goes all the way back to Burgerville. What doesn't go back to Burgerville? Um, yes, the you know there there was a petition to to take that to re- general referendum for members to vote on, uh, and that did not happen. The GEB said it, it would happen in October. Uh, this in this year's referendum, um, that was that. They disagree. The the recall committee disagrees that that's the timeline that it should happen on. Um, point oh, two. Well, before well, yeah, before that, what's going on with Burkerville? Like, are they like just waiting patiently for years for us to figure this out? It's such an interesting question, actually. I are they just Bur- like okay, whatever, guys, and then like they've gone on and done other things? I don't know. I I, I mean, I, I I feel like they have to have kept going forward with something. Um, once in a while, we've gotten pings from Burgerville about about like what's happening over there, but I I don't know like where they are in that process or what um what the contract came out as. 
There, I, I remember there was a post a little about there was a little while back from BVWU, the Burgerville Workers Union, about like boycotting them and, and going on strike. But I haven't heard much of a peep um, from them since, yeah, since did, all like, of this stuff blew up. Because like I feel like it's like how many workers is it that are in the union that are in Burgerville? It was like nine. Maybe that was part of the controversy is like how many members at Burgerville are members of the union? How many are not, you know, so if, the if it, unit. it feels like they just like came in with like constitutional crisis. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not, not intentionally or like, it's not, not like they were malicious about it, but they were just like, Hey guys, question everything. And then like, they just left. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know. You know, we should reach out to them and see how it's going over. There. Oh, we should have them on. Yeah, that would be great. So yeah, so so the first point definitely goes back to the goes back to that Burgerville issue. The emergency referendum is a thing that that the recall petition committee wanted to have happen. Um, that this like we we got the we got the we got the signatures necessary to send this to referendum. This needs to be sent to referendum now. Is their position. Um, so that's point one. And I'm not, I, I want to be very clear that I'm not trying to cast anyone in the bad light here. So if anyone disagrees and you want to come on and talk about some of these issues and some details where we're going to be keeping people anonymous, we're not going to be talking about individuals in the union. Um, if you want to kind of talk about why some of these issues are important, I think we're always open to having wobs on the podcast. So yeah, at the, at the end out. of the episode, we definitely got an email up there. Um, so let's see, engaging in secret meetings. This one is this one is a point that suggests that the GEB amended the manual of policies and procedures to allow for secret meetings and have like these off-list communications between GEB members. You know, there's a there's a transparency argument here that I'm that I that I'm very sympathetic to about you know if the GEB are discussing business, shouldn't we be aware of that? Shouldn't we as members be aware of that? I I don't know. I think I I have things to say about it, but I'm not going to get muddled down in that at, at the particular moment. It definitely makes it sound like they're the stone cutters, though. What the hell are the stone cutters? From the Simpsons. Oh my god. Dun, dun, Simpsons, dun, 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 dun. We do. We do. Okay. This isn't copyright infringement, is it? Uh, no, I only I only think a little bit. That's fine. Okay. Fair use. Fair use. <laughs> so that that that's definitely a big one. Um, they argue that the new rule. Uh, allows private communication, and they use this phrase collusion between members of the general executive um, board that basically allows people to like make decisions before the GEB meets and then just kind of make the GEB meeting sort of like just a show they put on where they cast their predetermined votes at the GEB and move on. Uh, so that's engaging in secret meetings. Um, another item is violation of members' rights to freedom of association and communication. I actually have to review this one a little bit to remember what the hell it's about. <laughs> um, ah, yeah. So this one, this one was in particular. This one is in particular about communications on Interwob, which, for those of you not in the know, is the hip forums that we use, uh, courtesy of Wise Regional, the Wise Regional Administration, who own the forums, and we are using that space. Um, for our own internal communications, it's it replaces. It's very nineties. The forums, the forums are super cool and hip feeling. You don't like you, the forums feel nineties to you. Just going to any forum feels very nineties to me. Mm, I get I get lost in the forums once in a while, but yes, I I, I can see that. Uh, so so this particular charge is a is a concern that a number of these folks have expressed regarding like how posts can be censored on Interwob, and censored is their word. Uh, the the I don't know that I agree with it. I'm very mixed on this one because I, I definitely see the point of if you flag a post, it gets automatically hidden. There have been accusations, and I believe verified accusations of mo and moderators have admitted this to like editing people's posts within what they consider forum guidelines. But people, I think, understandably, have been very upset about having their own words edited. They particular charge they in particular charge that members of the GEB uh, have been themselves like out there flagging posts critical of the GEB and and it's because of that action that they consider this a form of censorship. Yeah, which is worrisome. It least. is worrisome. It's it's the who controls the narrative basically like who controls what the rest of the body sees. The thing is is that flag posts can still be seen on Interwob but you have to click on it in order to see it and so it's not by default visible and if you're one of those folks that's like well this is probably trash I don't want to I don't want to see rude or shitty content they'll just move past it which is a fair point also here's a question 
yeah. which we can get to later, but I'm going to pin it right here in this talk. How many members do you think are actually on Anna Rob? I don't know. You see the same few actors over and over again, right? And see, so... like, this is a problem I also have, like, when Twitter gets all upset about something and people are like, it's newsworthy. It's like, yeah, but how many people are actually on Twitter? It's usually like the, it's like 1% of the population that's upset over something. And most people probably don't care about that thing or don't even know what that mm-hmm. thing is. So like, is this like 1% of the union fighting on a forum that most people don't bother looking at? I don't know. And I think this is actually a really good question about like national IWW politics in general. Like, like in our branch, for example, I, I get the sense, I can't speak for all the members in absolute terms, but whenever national IWW things have come up, and we bring them up at meetings, I feel like the tendency for members is to put their heads down. Like, 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 why do we care about this? What is going on? What's the context of this? This feels like a conversation that requires substantially more context. Um, and they don't, they don't log into the interweb. They don't participate in the forums. They don't read, they don't read like the GOB. So like who participates in interweb? I mean, I, I do to some degree, I read it. I'm a, I'm a lurker in the, in the modern parla, parlance, parlance, parlance. Hello, fellow kids. That's right. <laughs> Not, hello, fellow workers, I believe. Oh, I yeah. That's right. Hello, fellow workers. Uh, I'm sure so, someone's made that version of that meme. I hope so. Um, but yeah, so like that, like, like, but you're absolutely right. And the thing is, is, like the voices in this conversation are definitely a set of voices that you see over and over again. Um, and that, that does seem like a lot sometimes, like there are a group of folks who have been very vocal. They, they sometimes make multiple threads on interwob. Um, and, and it definitely feels like a lot to kind of take in. And if you don't want to deal with it or tune into the third thread on why we need the recall now um, or why censorship is a problem, it's hard to do. And you can probably predict nine times out of 10 who is the person making that post. But I mean, I don't know. Again, this is one of those things that I feel very ambivalent on because like, Censorship is a very serious problem. I yeah, totally. I personally am of the opinion that it's questionable to give too much authority to the GEB, and the GEB doesn't even have to be a doesn't even have to be um, a moderator to flag these posts. Anybody can flag these posts. Hmm. Uh, their their particular problem is that the GEB members flagged some of these posts, and honestly, I that's the least insidious part of this. Like GEB members are members of the union. And if the rules say that posts can be flagged, they should not be exempt from flagging posts. Right. It's the editing the post. That's a problem. That's That's a massive problem. That's yeah. Let's see. What are some other, other ones undermining the work of the duly elected general secretary treasurer. This one's a huge red flag to me. Uh, There are, there are several items that the, that the committee that put this together um, identify that I have a real problem with. Um, General Secretary Treasurer needs to be a functional position that is that does not have their arms, their hands tied by 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 the bureaucracy. I mean, I'm going to be honest in my own pers- in my own opinion, the IWW already has a bit of a sprawling bureaucracy that took me a couple of years to even begin to figure out. Mm. And the GST needs to be accessible. The GST needs to have access to to all the resources they can possibly muster in order to answer questions, provide insights, give people access to to answers and resources. Um, And this particular charge is very troubling to me. The inequitable hiring process charge feels doesn't I'll I'll wait till feelings. Uh, You know, the inequitable hiring process charge that they they levy here is. Which is charge five. Mm-hmm. Um, out of 12. 0.5 out of 12 uh, is that the GEB basically hired some people and didn't have an equitable position. I mean, didn't have an equitable process in mind. And there have been accusations accusations that the GEB hired their friends, that certain people had a leg up, that the position was written for somebody. I consider those charges serious if you're going to charge nepotism. The IWW hiring people in general is very controversial in the union. Yeah, it's very weird. It, it is very weird. I am kind of of the opinion that hiring people is a necessity. So I personally don't really have a problem with us hiring uh, some positions. I don't think we should hire a ton of them. Yeah, but. I think 
I think for some things, uh, I know, like, I don't know if this is the hiring they did, but, like, the social media manager or whatever, or whoever's in charge of the Twitter, basically, if it's something that, like, a large group of people already in the union can volunteer and do, then we don't need to hire somebody. If it's something like do our taxes, okay, yeah, maybe maybe pay somebody to do that so they do it right. Yeah, I agree. Um, and and this is a controversial position. This is a philosophical position. I actually think that the IWW benefits from hiring a couple of organizers whose job it is to basically help people put on trainings, give some advice to give some advice to fellow workers who are organizing. I do not think we should hire all of our organizers. And I think the model of the IWW being an organizer, a member driven organization where members are organizers is important to maintain. And we have to be very vigilant about about like limiting the expansion of paid organizers. But I would that say, vision is very controversial. So I would say at the very least, like if not hiring people, to help organize like giving stipends to members who are organizers like like seasoned organizers hey go go over to this branch here's some travel and like lodging and that kind of thing yeah and we're doing some of that um and and that is also people have been critical of that to some degree not specifically the recall petitioners i don't know what their positions are on these items um they don't actually have any charges in here about hiring organizers so this is actually just segued into a whole different quagmire of like <laughs> IWW like philosophies and takes so, and how we do things. We went from a minefield to quicksand. Is that what you're talking? Right. Be careful. <laughs> uh, they also charged the, that the GEB created unelected and salaried positions. Uh, so this is kind of uh, like the creation of an external organizing team director, and there's a lot of kind of controversy about about having hired somebody to do that. There's also questions about the hiring process and whether or not it was like carved out for somebody in particular or if everyone had access to it. And I, I, there's, there's a lot of mudslinging in these hiring conversations that make it very difficult for me to determine like how, like if I should be upset about this and if nepotism is really at play and it really makes the whole thing very murky. Also, like I remember last year's convention, there was a lot of talk about like hiring people to do things but there was no like details and i think that was the main problem a lot of people had with it was like how much are these people going to get paid yep. like a full-time they're getting 30k a year or is this like we're giving them like a thousand dollars a month to just do this thing you know do we get to elect these people and decide in the hiring process or is it just like we'll get somebody don't worry yeah i think that you and i talked about that because i think you were at convention last yes, year it was. um and like I remember, I personally voted against it in referendum. Like I yeah. was opposed. I was opposed to. It. I thought it was too vague. I wanted more details. I'm not opposed to hiring people, but I want. But I, I got to know what they're doing and right. how much they're getting paid. Exactly. Not just like I'm going to hire somebody. And how are we holding them to account? What like what are their responsibilities exactly? Those are all important questions that I feel like went unanswered in that in that particular motion. Now, here's one that I felt very, that I also felt very strongly about. And like, you know, the problem is with like the interwab and this whole discourse is that it has been very difficult to understand or even follow the train of thought on some of these, like the arguments that are being made. But this one is that the, is that the GEB ended an audit of a branch in the IWW um, that was, that had some like some questionable financial, some financial, some questionable financial goings on and going on. And if that's like, like they, I, I believe that the audit was ended, but there's been some pushback from the GEB about like what, like what that amounts to and what it looks like and, and why that happened and, and like what it actually means. And so I, I feel, I feel very kind of, again, in between on this one. Um, I, I, I think that the, Membership of the IWW is justified in wanting to understand what happened at that branch and and what went wrong there, what the what the financial questions are around that branch. But and I feel like we haven't gotten that. And, and that's what I want out of the whole thing, period. And, and so if we don't get that and I don't think we are going to get that, then I'm very then I am very concerned. This seems like a red flag. This is one of the items in the in the recall petition that I was very kind of like, mm. Mm. Uh, I'm out of red flags. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, yeah, I guess I don't know. 
that that was a serious hmm, that was a serious one that was like hmm, you know i didn't put enough growl on it maybe so it was a marge simpson level yes another simpsons reference like another it's simpsons it's the simpsons episode <laughs> Did you hear anything about this one? Did you did you did you have any thoughts on it? Uh, I, I I vaguely heard about it, but I didn't understand it completely. I just um, I remember like thinking, um, oh, is there? A, what did they do? And then like, it, there was no details on what the problem was. Just that they were looking at their finances. So I was like, okay, I guess let me know. But there was no further details. You know what I mean? So it was like, I it's hard to form an opinion on a thing when like the only detail you know is oh something might have gone wrong. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm just kind of curious, like, how that... I'm just curious how that went. What point are we on? We're on point eight. Refusing to hear charges filed against a general officer of the IWW. I don't even... I don't even know about this one. Like, (laughs) members should have the right to hold officers and and workers of the IWW accountable. Like, like people who are employed by the IWW cannot be held only accountable by bosses and there's been some argument by, by the bosses which in this sense i don't want to call the geb bosses because that seems disgraceful and i think the geb is, it has at times done their best to be like decent employers um but the iww is an employer and that puts us in the uncomfortable position of having to be the boss once in a while uh, we we and and we are now in the process of marching on ourselves so we are we are holding true to the philosophy snake eats its tail <laughs> that's right but you know, there was a someone tried to charge, tried to charge a a a person who is both a fellow worker and and a and an employee of the union, and I was told that they that they couldn't do that because of how we have to interact with people who are workers of the IWW. There's more nuance here than I have the time to get into, but this makes me very uncomfortable. I, I'll be honest; like this makes me this makes me at best uncomfortable. Um, at worst, I don't know how it makes me feel at worst, but it's like, we as members should have the right to hold, we, we, we can hold fellow members accountable, we can hold officers accountable. If employees misstep, if they harass somebody, if they, if they violate like confidentiality, sure, they can be fired, but like, what's the process to get that ball rolling? Do we just reach out to the GEB and, and we say, hey, we need you to look into this. Like, what's the process in which members get to hold people that we're spending dues money accountable for? And also, like, that goes back to earlier points of, like, the people we were trying to hire. Like, you know, is this more people that wouldn't be accountable? That's right. They're being paid by members' dues, by member dues. And the IWW has, like, the cheapest dues rate in the country. We are not a wealthy union. Um, and I think we have an obligation to our to our members and to our own philosophical principles to make sure that every person we work with can be held accountable by the membership. Number nine. Reckless spending of IWW dues members' money. I'm not going to dwell on this one for very long. I just, th- th- this is, I-, I feel like this is a philosophical disagreement about how dues money can be spent. I do not, I do not personally consider it an offense worthy of recall. These folks do. Uh, they put it in their list of, of, of evidence that they have uh, to recall the GEB. Um, I'm very dubious of it as a cause to recall somebody. If they're yeah. like doing something immoral or unethical with it, um, sure. But this is a this is a difference in how money should be spent. Yeah, difference of opinion isn't enough. Like that's kind of why I didn't sign in the first place. Is like a lot of the accusations I was aware of at the time were like, okay, that's not great, but like they're gonna get they're up for election in like three months, so we can switch. it's not you know we're not gonna die by then. Hopefully not. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, the unconstitutional expansion of power of the GEB liaisons. I think this is also a difference of philosophy. I think that this is a philosophical difference. I, I, I don't believe there are any chargeable offenses on this one. I don't think that this is something that we could charge, that we would successfully charge a GEB member for. I don't believe they violated the Constitution in doing this. And I don't even believe they violated the spirit of the IWW. Personal opinion, I might get some shit for this, but... <laughs> I think the IWW is an inefficient organization um, very often, and democracies often are. And sometimes we just have to accept that democracy is inefficient and it takes time. But we don't always have to accept that. And the GEB is particularly well positioned to efficiently kind of interact with committees that GEB members are assigned to. And like the, the language as I understand it is that if the GEB 
if there's a question that that committee has about like has about the constitution or how to interpret something whether or not they can or could do something that officer is charged with the ability to basically say yes or no they can make the call and that's and that's the problem that that I understand people have here and the the charge that they've laid in their points I think is more nuanced I'm not trying to not give them enough credit but this is only so much time for me to review some of these things <laughs> But you know, their 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 charge is essentially that we've that we've expanded the power of the liaisons to make independent to, to be independent decision makers. And I don't think that that's true because ultimately the language that was updated by the GEB specifically stipulates that if the committee disagrees with the with the call that the GEB liaison is making, they can appeal that call to the GEB. And the GEB will take it up and vote on it and make a decision as the GEB is obligated to do. Right. This is a philosophical difference in my mind, and I don't have a problem with the change. I think it's a great change to help make things more efficient at the upper levels when trying to make decisions. Yeah, because every decision can't be made by the whole body all the time. It can't be. It just, nothing would ever happen. Well, it could be. We could talk about direct democracy, but maybe in a separate podcast. Yeah. So I don't, I personally don't have a huge problem with this one. I don't think it's a recallable um, offense. Like... Let let me rephrase that, because any member of the IWW has the right to initiate a recall, right? Like that's like they have the right to put the petition together. They have a right to organize, to to attempt to get a petition at minimum votes. So when I say I don't think it's a recallable issue, I am saying I personally would not vote to recall somebody for that particular rule, uh, for that particular decision. So that's where I stand on that. Declaring Canada, so point 11 in, in this in this escapade is point 11, declaring Canada exempt from the IWW constitution. Now, here's one that, that I mean, confused. go ahead. What? I'm so confused. What are you where confused did, where about? Did that come, where did that even come from? Didn't you? So there was an email that went out a while back um, that was a statement from, I believe, the GEB on... Um, on the status of like Canada, Canadian organizing processes. Um, let's see. I, did you not receive, or do you get emails from the IWW? I, I do. I just don't remember this one. Um, yeah, I get a lot of emails, Derek. I'm very connected. I also get a lot of emails. I'm with you. Uh, so, so they sent out an email back in April. And I'm supposed to remember that? <laughs> You know, it starts like the aim of this communication is to provide a union policy clarification issued by our general executive board regarding our members' rights in the North American Regional Administration area of Canada with respect to certification and collective bargaining agreements. And I, I don't know, this one is a is another weird one that I don't know. I don't I, I don't like I like when I read this, I read this as basically the IWW, like the GEB in particular, saying some of our laws, some of the laws which NARA wrestles with, our constitution in particular, some of it may not be applicable in Canada. Um, I, I do not. I'm not an expert in Canadian law. I'd love to have one of our one of our Canadian fellow workers on to talk about this to some degree at some point. I'd love to hear more about the nuances of organizing in Canada. But if I understand I... it. I know some Canadian fellow workers. That's how oh, I got dude. into the IWW. Really? Yeah. But, you know, they put this line in here that basically says, putting the larger issue aside for the time being. So there's a lot of, there's a number of paragraphs here. I'm not going to read them all, but the GEB email specifically says, putting the larger issue aside for the time being in order to reduce uncertainty and foster stability in the union's organizing policy, the GEB will henceforth recognize that Canada is exempt from any and all constitutional rules that are in contradiction with Canadian provincial and federal laws. I, I mean, personally, personally, from my own perspective, this this email seemed really weird to send out because that's I, like like again, as just a guy in the trenches, I don't I don't feel I don't talk to our lawyers. I don't know like if the GEB felt the need to release this email. But this is kind of a no-brainer to me. Like we can't enforce our cons. Like our constitution does not supersede the laws. State law, yeah. Yeah, that's no, it, I, was, I was like, that's where it's where it's like, okay, yeah, because it, if we were like, well, we're not doing that, then they would be like, okay, you're under arrest. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Then we could organize an iWalk some more, right? Yeah, so, exactly. That is your uh, backup plan. That is. Uh, so I mean. I don't know. I feel like there's been a there's been a lot of there's a lot of hullabaloo made about this. I'm gonna stick to that phrase hullabaloo. I think it's a I think it's a good phrase. 
the declaration, like the piece of evidence that no one can see that I did finger quotes, but the piece <laughs> of evidence put forth in the petition um, basically says that the GEB has now like unilaterally voided the constitution, which I, I don't think that's what happened here. Like the language doesn't say that in my understanding of it. It, it says that it's exempt from any constitutional rules that are in contradiction with Canadian provincial and federal law. Um, that's very different than voiding, quote unquote, the constitution. They didn't say they're void from the whole constitution. That's correct. They're just like, um, hey, where we can enforce our constitution because of laws, we're not going to punish our branches for that. That's right. Um, and there's this like, there's this, there's this line that they take where there is nothing in Canadian labor law that requires a contract to include a no strike clause. Like this all goes back. This this goes all all goes back to the no strike clause because there's this big controversy. If you could talk and have a conversation with some of these folks who are engaged with this, like like there's this conversation about like if if you have bargained your contract, there is a de facto no strike clause because it's illegal to strike in Canada. If you if if you're in the middle of a of a bargaining agreement, I right? See, I see. Like they strongly restrict when you can and cannot strike in Canada, and so so there's this debate about well, you don't have to sign a no strike clause, um, and then some fellow workers push back and say yes, but we have a de facto no strike clause. So so like you're basically saying any contract we sign, aren't you kind of saying like we we can't agree to any collective bargaining agreement because they, by their very nature, have a no-strike clause based on the laws of Canada. And for that, it's always like, if it, it's coming down to a strike. No law or constitution is going to stop you. Like, I'm, I'm very much a member of the fuck it club. Yeah. Where, like, I think I talked about this when we talked about the no-strike clause, where it's like, if you're to the point where you're like, all right, we're all going to go on strike then I don't care what's in the contract. I don't care what's in the law. I'm going to just do it and like yeah. withhold my labor. And then there's going to be consequences for that. But, you know. Well, and some of those consequences, and this is actually, you know, without getting too far into the weeds on like the no strike issue, um, dating back to issues in this list of grievances, this list of evidence put forward by the recall petition committee, but also back to the Brookerville amendment, right? Is like this idea of, there is an argument that people have put forth, and it's not an unfair argument that, you know, if the IWW backs a strike while they have a no strike clause, we could be held financially liable. And and that is true. We could receive, you know, we could definitely receive some lawsuits. We could be subject to some lawsuits. We could possibly be fined in some areas. You know, if you are like in Michigan, for example, and you're a public sector union, and you strike as a teacher, for example, and like the teachers union is like, yes, we back the workers who are striking, then um, they're liable for fines, and they can definitely be they can definitely be held to account for that, and it can be very expensive, which is why a lot of teachers, which is which is why wildcat strikes have taken off, and unions actually have had to get in the habit in some cases of telling workers to stop striking, mm -hmm. so long as the union is like stop striking. They're doing their due diligence, right? But if right. they're not doing that, and the IWW is not like shouldn't do that. Like I'm very much so opposed to the IWW ever telling workers not to strike. So I understand why people have concerns about that, especially in the U.S. In Canada, I have no idea what the what the what the result of workers striking outside of the contract period it would be. Um, and the, one of the consequences could be bringing, you know, state power out against workers because, you know, state governments are not afraid of doing that when they want to. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah that, that's a good point. But it's also like, that's what dues are for. That's what we're, it's our thing, you know. It's true. We are the like most radical of the unions. So expect us to be doing stuff that's going to be against, you know, contracts and or laws. I mean, yeah, I mean, you I mean, you could definitely say that there's a broader debate here about what is the impact of the IWW going bankrupt, for example, can we be driven into bankruptcy? Will the IWW still exist? Um, uh, I mean, maybe not, maybe not like on paper. Uh, you know, there are a lot of old union stalwarts who argue that the IWW, um, you know, supersedes the NLRA, for example, like why, like, why would we even organize under the NLRA? I've seen people on like forums, like Reddit, for example, post things like on those I'm forums a, again. 
uh, well, you know, I'm a wobbly in spirit. You don't have to be a deuce pain member of the IWW to be a wobbly. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, okay. okay. Uh, so, so I don't know. I don't know what a wobbly, what, what a wobbly is, but if a wobbly is, is we're here in the spirit, then I guess the bankruptcy of the, I, of the IWW doesn't really matter. <laughs> <laughs> somewhere the branch, uh, the, the uh, somewhere all the branch secretaries or treasurers, all the branch treasurers got just had a shiver. Are you saying that? <laughs> That's true. That, that probably did just collectively happen. <laughs> so the last point that they raise in the petition, uh, in the petition to for the recall, is the unilateral point twelve, the unilateral and undemocratic changes to the North American Regional Administration. The sum total of the it's a single paragraph, so I'm just going to read it. The sum total of the actions listed above constitute unilateral and undemocratic changes in how our union functions. General Executive Board is meant to serve the whole union as stewards between conventions. Instead, we have seen this board pursuing an aggressive policy uh, agenda meant to change and undermine the IWW's administration in North America. This this really gets to one of the one of the major points that I've seen posted elsewhere, though uh, it's it's not listed in this recall. So I want to separate that out. Like this recall petition doesn't necessarily highlight that, but but it is thematically similar to what I've heard some WABs argue is the GEB taking a more top-down approach, right? Like, right. like we're the general administration. We we get to make these kinds of decisions, um, and and we don't have to wait to convention to like to like test some of these ideas out. And so there is kind of a there is a reaction from some folks, um, some of whom may sign this petition, some of, some of whom may put this. Particular, some people maybe not. Like I think it's just a general sense from some folks. Mm-hmm. I don't know how many uh, that the GEB is taking a top-down approach. And honestly, some of their like interpersonal um, behaviors feels that way sometimes. But I don't. I don't get the sense that we. Well, I didn't get that sense. Yeah. When this first came out. Yes. I didn't get that sense. Yes. And so this brings us to. What's happened since this recall started? We're like, I think both of us are kind of on the same page. We're like, we saw this stuff and we're like, okay, I mean, some of this is bad and raises red flags, but some of it's whatever. I wouldn't sign a recall for it. We got convention coming up real quick. It'll be fine. We'll just deal with it then. Uh, and then, but the recall went forward and we're like, all right, I guess there's going to be a recall. But then there hasn't been. There has and, not been. And I think that's where even people like us who were like, kind of like okay whatever started going okay now there's a problem yeah. and we started getting driven towards more it's like all right what are you guys doing here yes. and if they would the thing is like if they would have just let it go through and let people vote on it it probably would have been fine you know there have been like numerous there have been numerous statements on this i know that the general secretary treasurer has not been in charge of of the recall it's run through like our new, I think our new comms officer or some other staff members. There's a lot of controversy about like who is handling this, whether or not the GEB is actively like preventing it from happening. There are some folks uh, who are tuned into this who say that, say that they are specifically kind of preventing the recall. Like, like what is, first of all, let's start with the basics. What is the constitutional requirement? What's the constitutional mandate for putting out the recall referendum, right? How like how is that supposed to happen? Do you have any do you have any ideas about that one, Jason? Uh, I imagine they have to get a certain amount of signatures, and then they have to put it to the body to see if we recall certain members. Yeah, so it's pretty that's, straightforward. That is the basic process. I'm actually going to pull up the Constitution so that I can be as accurate as possible in this process. There are already going to be people who are like who are, are going to be like fuck you guys because you disagree <laughs> because you disagree with me, but so I want to be I want to be as clear in my understanding. You're going to get lit up on interwab. <laughs> <laughs> it's always possible. You never know. Um, let's see. Recall. Whew, there's, a, there's a there's a whole thing here. Let's see. Um, Article nine of the IWW. Um, constitution and bylaws. So let's this see. Some, we... some high end entertainment right here. I know. I there's nothing. <laughs> there's nothing more exciting than fucking talking about bylaws. Nothing. No, nothing says party like Article Nine, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, okay. So Article Nine, Section Three. 
the general administration officials shall be subject to recall upon a referendum initiated as provided in section 2A, Article 9, no later than three days following a receipt of a petition or motion for recall, the GA general administration shall notify all chartered administrations and branches of same and specify the date by which members can submit arguments concerning the question for publication in the GOB accompanying the ballot on recall. Ballot shall be issued no later than 30 days following receipt and shall be issued in accordance with the provisions of Article 9, Section 2. So, no later than three days find a receipt of petition, no later than three days, yeah. shall notify all chartered administrations and branches. Has not happened. Has not happened. Has not happened. It's been at least a month. It's been... Yeah, it's been at least a month. I feel like that's a fair statement. Maybe not. I I, I, I don't have the exact comment up in front of me, but I can tell you... I feel like it's definitely been close it's, to a month. Either way, it's, it's definitely felt, been more than it three It felt days. like a month. <laughs> yeah, so, um, I mean, and not only that, but there is no there's no date scheduled for it. There's no... There's no there, news about it. There's no news about it, except for, you know, people... People going, where is this? Yeah. All right, so, I you know, I, 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 I'm going to give the GEB a little bit of credit here. Um, I, I, and to be clear, I'm not actively defending them, but I do think it's it's important to be as fair as possible on this issue. Um, and the GEB did is reported to have reached out to lawyers, and they reported what the lawyers said. Um, and the lawyers basically said that um, if you know somebody has claimed fraud, and even if they haven't claimed fraud, like this is an election of officers, an election of officers is governed by the Labor Management Reporting and Disclosure Act oh. of 1959. Oh boy. So 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 this, you know, this is an act that governs a lot of important things and amongst them it governs how elections are supposed to be done. It governs like how like like meetings are supposed to operate like official meetings, members rights to information, um rights to speak freely without retaliation. The LMRDA is is a is is a piece of a, of American legislation uh that definitely interfaces with our union because we are a 501c5 we're throwing some real fucking party words out there right now you yeah know, just but... light some candles around the bathtub uh <laughs> get a nice <laughs> cut glass of wine baby right. we're gonna let, talk about the nlrda and the yeah, right. uh, uh-huh. and article three well so so well yes that's right article three no, 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 no. Article 9, Section oh, 3. so sorry. I just ruined the mood. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> but, I mean, so it is important to recognize that, and I, I'm not a lawyer. I'm, I, I'm, I'm definitely not a lawyer. Um, but the lawyers recommended that we validate signatures. Now, to my knowledge, we haven't done this before. I think we, we did some signature validation for the, for the petition to send the Burgerville thing back to referendum, which was, I think, what, point, point one, willful refusal to allow an emergency referendum. I think they may have done something similar there, but it, it doesn't matter. Like, it's just, it just isn't done. Like, we don't normally mm-hmm. validate signatures. Feels Are very you, Republican voting law. What, validating signatures? Yeah, like, hey, we need to see your ID. Yeah. You need to pass a written test. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, 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 I can definitely understand people's frustration. I personally am willing to allow like for some validation. It, yeah. it does make sense to me to make sure that the petition is on the up and up um, to validate signatures. Uh, but OK, if, if we're going to go that route. Yeah. Then they went to send out the validations and they had to send out enough emails. There's all sorts of mudslinging. Not everybody received the emails. We have we have members in our branch who have reported that they signed the petition and that they did not receive a validation email. And, you know, like and then and then who like who do we send them to? Who do you talk to about that? You, you, know, you talk to the communications officer, you talk to the general secretary treasurer. Who is handling that process? That's not clear. Nobody's emailed out to say, "Hey, if you if you if you got like if you didn't get an email, but you sent a petition and you want to validate your signature, please contact these officers who are coordinating the effort, right. or contact these staff people who are coordinating the effort." Like, it's a clusterfuck, quite frankly. Yeah, it's um, shady. It's shady to say the least. And, and even if and even if we do the most good faith reading here, that it was just an honest mistake, right? It was mm-hmm. an honest mistake. 
Like we should, it, it, okay, fine. Let's move forward. We, we can talk about mistake later and figure it out, but this is an important piece of union democracy. Yeah. Period. Able, it's in the constitution. We should be able to do it. We should have the mechanics and like the know-how to do this thing. That is correct. And, and if we made a mistake, fine. Get the ball rolling. We'll deal with the mistake later. We are, we are, I, I, I want to say at least 30 days into this process. And I still don't know who's handling the recall. I still don't know whose responsibility it is to validate signatures. Have the signatures been validated? There are people who report that their signatures were validated. There's some, there has been an argument put forward that enough people have validated their signatures to prove that the recall has enough signatures. <laughs> just let it, just let it happen. Like the burden yeah. proof's there. Just let it happen. And if if they would have like not had all the shitty business, it probably would have gone their way anyway. It, now, might, it might have. Who knows? But now it's raising all these questions about like, oh, you don't even want it to go through. What then? Yep. What are you up to? Yep, that's right. And then you know, somebody somebody came in, and there was a lot of there was a lot of chicanery. A lot of chicanery. chicanery. That's right. Wow. That's right. Hold on. I, I, I want to look that word up to make sure I'm using it correctly. Word of the day. The use of trickery to achieve a political, chicanery, financial, or hullabaloo. legal purpose. That's right. A <laughs> lot of chicanery. A lot of chicanery around like. Like some members of the GEB felt threatened or pressured. Um, there were, you know, there's conversations of like doxing. Like it's, there's been a lot of bad jacketing going around. We need to explain the word bad jacketing to our fellow workers out there. Yeah, me included. Um, so this is the, this is a phrase. Um, it's the practice of creating suspicion through the spreading of rumors, manufacture of evidence, etc. Um, that some people are like, like secretly fascists or like they're cops uh, or, you know, like, like this person did gotcha. that. So there's, there's been a lot of bad jacketing, like, oh it's, my God. It's out of control. It's completely out of, it's so completely out of control. And it's like, it's so like, it, like I, don't even, I don't even know what to do about it. Like, like, like ever since I became a member of this union, I will personally attest in my experience that the list serve often felt like a very toxic there's a lot of conversation about toxicity um, in parts of the union, um, but like I unsubscribed from the GEB uh, because at the time I was a habitual email reader, and so when the email popped up, I would I would read them, and like I felt I felt like I felt I felt harassed just reading some of these emails, <laughs> um, and and it wasn't directed at me, but like I felt like my my mental health, and I'm and I'm generally a pretty pretty good guy like in terms of like I, I i don't i i have the great privilege of not experiencing a lot of depression i don't experience a lot of anxiety and i would rub read it through in these i'm sorry about you know, <laughs> I, I, I would read through some of these emails and i would just feel shitty and i just had to stop at some point so i unsubscribed from the geb mail list for i think a couple of years quite frankly um before i you know one day remembered oh i'd love to know what the geb is up to and i had to resubscribe to it and here's the thing, like, um, we're both delegates for our branch, you yeah. know, so part of our job is signing people up. And it's really hard to sell people on this union when the national level of it is a mess. I want to be like, hey, join the IWW, we'll start organizing your workplace. Don't look over there. Yeah, it just makes it hard. I want to talk at the end of this about what the GEB and the national should look like, but yeah, um, but yeah basically it's really hard to, you know, sell people on the IWW if they look at it and all they see is like really just kind of some middle school stuff, you know, <laughs> where like this person's a cop. Well, this person's a meanie and like, you know, whatever. I agree that recall should go for it. Like it, it, yes, it should absolutely it. It should go just for go for it and we should vote on it. Yep. That should be the end of it. Yep. But it's not. And that's troubling. You know, it's not, you know, at, you know, at this point and, and I will say that for, for my money, I don't know what I mean because I, you know, whatever. I mean, so from my, from my perspective, there are there are three points in the list of items that the recall petitioners um, really highlighted that I have very deep concerns about. The rest of them, I think, are political disagreements. And you know what? Technically, like the IWW Constitution doesn't say you can't recall members because you, you can't recall officers because you disagree with them. You have a right to recall, to try to recall officers for any reason you want. Yeah. Like that's the reality of it. So 
I think I think it's I, I think it's fine for anyone to start a recall, and I disagree with many of their points, and some of them I consider red flags that I would actually love to have deeper conversations about. But it's also become so muddy for 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 a member, even a member like myself who actively you know reads the the red card the the interwob, who actively try to tries to communicate with folks about like what's happening. Um, or at least tries to put his ear to the ground to listen to, to some of these things. Like it is very difficult for me to disentangle like what is true and what is not true in some of these cases. Um, and that is very troubling. So I, and, and, and you can't have a conversation about it because everyone has their side now. Yeah. There are the people who want the GEB to go. There are the people who want the GEB to stay. Um, and everyone has their own story and, and we're not, and a lot of us, I feel like, like, I don't know how to, how to how to have a genuine conversation with a fellow worker about this um, to try to understand like what's actually happening behind the scenes and is it a violation of the Constitution um, or is this something that that we should address at convention because some of some of these items like like forum mod- moderation for example I think the, the I think the IWW in general needs to have a very deep conversation and make a set of rules about how the forums are moderated. And I don't think the GEB should be, I don't think any GEB member should be a moderator outside of their little section of the boards. Like yeah. that is at, to, to my mind, a, 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 like it risks a conflict of interest. It is deeply troubling to me that they would have the power to potentially censor people that they disagree with. Um, and that's a problem. And it's one of those things that's like, yeah, it's fine. We don't have rules because like we're a 116 year old union in 1916 they weren't like okay what are we going to do about the internet (laughs) do we have a social media team for the coal miners no of course not so we have to make those rules but you you come to that point where you're like all right it's obvious the whole we'll figure it out it's gone far enough we need to set down some rules here and that's like definitely one of the places where that's and we do that at where where do we do that convention baby we do that at convention that's right it's gonna be interesting the thing that concerns me the most about this whole thing, I mean, not about the whole thing, about, about the petition, the thing that really makes me, you know, that, that, that like, the undermining of the work of the, of the general secretary treasurer, like, that is big red flags there. I have very, very deep concerns about that. But again, many of these are, are like, issues that I consider political disagreements, and these fellow workers have a right to push their recall. They did push it. I did not sign it. They got the signatures and like it should go forward. Like that's, that's right. They got simple. signatures. They got signatures without my signature, and I'm not gonna like. I don't want to send in their way to have the to have the recall. Yeah. And and here we are, 30 days later, and no recall has happened. And frankly, it's a bad look. So it not only does it make it harder to sign up people for the IWW, but it distracts the GEB from doing like what they're actually supposed to be doing. What is your vision for it? It should just be a coordinator of other branches and internationally. Uh, you know, to like, because like the goal, the long-term goal, even though you like to say that's, it's not realistic, um, is you know to end capitalism, right? So no, no, like, hold on, hold on, hold on. I don't say it's not real. <laughs> I don't say it's not realistic. I say what I what I do say is that it's like we're not getting there tomorrow, and 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 we're probably not getting there by walking up to workers and saying, "Hey, I want to abolish the wage system. Do you want to join me to do that?" Like there is a process; it takes time, and it's a cultural shift. So, yeah. so yes, um, but I don't know way, if I'll say it in my lifetime, but we we can still fight for it. Also, me, uh, I agree, but like we won't get there if we're not coordinating, right? Like that's right. If every branch is just doing its own thing wildly, then we're gonna you know clash and like just it's not we're more powerful under one big unit oh my god that's where the name comes from um uh, <laughs> uh and you know so the, at a national level it should just be like hey these workers over here six thousand miles away from you we're doing kind of something similar you guys want to connect and like trade resources oh let's all get all of these people in the iw uh, all the i don't know iron workers in the iww together and like plan actions together you know so we can shut the whole country down and then like you know go from there but instead it's busy doing what it's doing you know i think i don't know like like for 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 my for my own like needs i i wouldn't mind the geb being a little bit more active than that like i really think that the iww would benefit from a national public education platform 
um, one that is engaging, one that kind of explains what industrial unionism is. Like, like get back out there and, and like put forward a broad comms policy that that communicates a lot about like a public education about unions and the IWW in particular. I think that I'd love to see the GEB um, helping to direct that through our education department or our comms department. I think that that would be a really good public education platform. That's why um, when I make stuff for our branch, mm -hmm. we're going to be having a YouTube channel and a, um, you know, a little booklet that we give new members. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely going to make it branch agnostic. So at the very least, if other branches are interested, they could just take them. Yeah, that would be really rad. The other thing that I think the GEB could be could be doing is I do not mind the GEB being a little legislative to some degree. And that's that's my per, that's my perspective. I'm sure that I have lots of fellow workers who disagree me who disagree with me about that. But I think that we have the right to recall those members. I think that we have the right to send items to referendum. We can review items at convention. I do not think that the GEB should be like actively legislating as an executive branch because that is like that is not what they are. Mm. Um, but I do not mind if people of vision that the union supports comes in and says, here's what we want to see the IWW do and become. And then we vote on that as a platform and those GEB members help to coordinate and make that happen. And if that means like broader union coordination, if that means the creation and oversight of more uh, of more like ROCs, um, I'm sorry, regional organizing committees. Um, if that means like like a broader kind of survey of all the different organizing methods that we do, I think there's a lot of things that GEB can do. And I think where they can make the union more efficient, the GEB should do that, so long as it doesn't grossly sacrifice union democracy. It is the case that ultimately members must be able to overturn decisions. Ultimately, members... Like there have to be reasonable confines and parameters on what the GEB cannot do because we don't want them to run roughshod over democracy. Um, but I also think it's worth giving the GEB a mandate and asking them to work towards fulfilling that mandate because direct democracy is grossly inefficient and and I do not want to work within a direct democracy. It, I, people do not have the bandwidth to like organize both locally and also coordinate nationally at all times and to always be engaged in national politics of the IWW. It's a lot to expect of people. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind the GEB taking a more direct hand if they're following the mandates of what workers have put together. But apart from that, and, and again, with some parameters, and I don't have specifics for those parameters. I wasn't prepared to fully answer that question tonight, <laughs> though I'd love to explore it in some more detail. But at the same time, the GEB must always be held accountable for following the Constitution. The GEB must always, the general administration must always follow the Constitution. And if they're not, then we must have the power to do something about it. And um, I think that right now we're looking at a situation where we haven't, we, we don't have recall petitions. I think it looks real bad. I think it's a mistake. And we got to get those petitions out like immediately. Um, yeah. I think it's a real bad look when our national union is not following what's laid out in the Constitution. There was a post on Reddit recently um, where somebody was like, hey, you know, I was thinking about joining the IWW and somebody in this other organization mentioned to me that the GEB is trying to centralize power and there's a recall effort and like, do I want to like, is this a mess I want to get into? Also, so the IWW is not really organizing right now. And that's that's wrong. I mean, I think that that's, I think that it's wrong to ever say that we're not organizing. I don't know what's happening at every branch, but our branch is very, is very active. We're involved in a number of campaigns. Um, and that is the advantage of not having a top-down organization is that something's right. really happening at the central location. And we're like, okay, you guys figure that out. We're still going to do the work. And that's, been, and that's actually been my philosophy throughout the vast majority of this. Like, one of the principal reasons that I don't really feel like I like I wanted to recall the GEB was principally because like they haven't gotten in the way of me organizing. They haven't gotten in the way of that. Um, and actually, in many cases, they've made it easier for me to access some resources. Um, and that's that's great. That's really what matters to me is that we're out here organizing and we have a GEB that does it. Now, if they're violating the Constitution, if they're breaking the rules, um, if they're doing things that are questionable, yes, then... Than recall, but a lot of these items are 
uh, again, like their political, their, their political disagreements. Um, and if those political disagreements, even if I disagree with the GEB on some of these, ultimately, if they're not getting in the way of local autonomy and they're not getting in the way of my ability to organize locally, then I don't know. I feel a little indifferent to it some days. We have a convention every year and we vote people out. That's right. Unless it's like an emergency. But that's just one fellow worker's take on the matter, right? So yeah. anyway, that's the drama. <laughs> that is that that's is the, the tea, drama. as the kids say. And it's a and, it, and, it, and it's a big one. Like the right of recall is in our constitution. Now, I would personally say that, given the times we're in and the accessibility of the internet, I wouldn't mind seeing the right to recall. Like the percentage is at five percent in the constitution. I wouldn't mind seeing that bumped up to ten. Um, and also, whenever a recall takes or whenever a recall is about to take effect, I think that the GST should do a census of because we have the data. We can do a census every month. How many members are in the union right now, um, as of this month, and that's the number that we should use for the recall petition um, because that can change in a month to month basis. Right. I might be wrong. Um, you're welcome to correct me if you're a listener. And you're like, no, fuck you. You don't know what you're talking about. But I believe that the 5% number is pegged at the beginning of the year. And that number fluctuates, potentially could fluctuate up or down by quite a bit during the year. And this seems like an inadequate and outdated number to like outdated process to base such an important decision on. Again, this was written 116 years ago, I imagine. I don't know when this, I don't know when the right to recall was put in. I don't know the history of it. It was probably pre-internet. And pre being able to have like information constantly updated. Could be. I know that but, we recalled you know, somebody in 1989. So you know, it was like one of those things where like you got the number at the beginning of the year. You're like, all right, that's good enough. We have better. We have better technology. That's right. We have much better technology. So that's the you know that's the drama. And you know, the, like there are some people who are like, don't talk about this outside of the IWW. This gives the IWW a bad look. Well, you know, uh, so like I said earlier about like democracy being slow and efficient this is also one of the pitfalls of democracy like sometimes democracy gets real ugly and people get like they get in their positions and then we start facing off against one another ready to like hash it out and we start mudslinging the reason that it's so difficult for a member who like i don't know how i could point to members right now and say Members who aren't paying attention, which is the vast majority of members in our branch, in my in, in our experience, in my experience, yeah, yeah. most people don't care about the national IWW politics. They're not engaged in them. Um, when they come up at meetings, they they disengage from them. They don't know how to react to some of this stuff. So I don't even know how I would point out to a member and say, "Hey, this is happening," and here it, here are a few places that you could go to get like the full scope of things. I could point them to the GEB minutes. I could point them to the petition that's been put out. But is that adequate? Because a lot of stuff has also come out like on the forums or in like secret Facebook groups or um, in the GOB. So it becomes very muddy and very murky to kind of sort out like the facts from the fiction and the mudslinging hyperbole, which is and not a good place for us to be. But also, I hate when people say, don't talk about this. It's like, if we don't talk about it, it will never be fixed. We won't go, okay, not only like, it, hey, this is happening, but also why is this happening? How can we in the future prevent this from happening? Mm-hmm. You got to have that conversation. In the, uh, on, the Reddit, on the Reddit post where somebody was like, isn't the IWW having a big internal fight or something? There was one person who was going around saying, like, could you please take this down? I'm worried that, the, like, could you please take down your post? There were several posts this person responded to. You know, could you please take this down? I'm concerned that this could be used in a campaign against the IWW. You know, to that to that fellow worker out there, one, this is why we inoculate, right? Like mm. the Jimmy Johns campaign, Jimmy Johns came out hard and were like, did you know the IWW is anti-capitalist? And, and you know, like we have to be prepared to kind of move forward with who we are as a union and who we are as a union is a... You know, I'm sorry. It's a bad. It's a bad look, and it's a bad look nationally. The reality is, is that the national IWW feels to many of us. And I'm going to speak to myself for the moment. Mm-hmm. Feels like a very toxic space. And if you don't want that to be talked about, well, a, what's going to happen when we introduce members to national politics? Because it is ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one. 
Um, two, if you don't want us to talk about these kinds of things, then we don't need to fix it. it. Yeah, then don't yeah. be it. <laughs> That's right. And we have to figure out as an organization how to work through these issues. And and I think that we need to figure out better ways to handle some of these processes. Um, sure. I don't I, I don't have an immediate idea for it, but I would love to talk to folks for maybe convention next year about maybe how we could how we could realign some of these values and like the safer spaces value the safer the safer spaces policy of the union is one way to go and we have that but it's it is inadequate um it's a it, it is a literal culture shift that we as fellow workers have to be conscious of um it's it's not an aside i promise you but i was talking with a with a worker a while ago and they really wanted a contract at their job site and um and that's fine i'll i'm happy to organize and help them get a contract at some point but a lot of the items that they identified for me in their grievances were very cultural. And I had to kind of keep telling them, like, these are not really issues that we can bargain for. You, If you're going to, like, formally bargain under law, there are a number of restrictions on how that works. And and quite, quite frankly, a lot of these issues, like how you are treated in some spaces or, like, what it means to be this job title and and and, and how you interact with customers and things like that, like... These are very cultural things. How you are educated in your workspace about about the things that you do and and what it means to even be that type of worker, and and, the, and a lot of these items are very cultural items and they can't be bargained for. And the only way that we fix those issues as fellow workers in the workplace is the same way we're going to fix those things in the union, and that's by getting together, talking about the vision we want to see for internal IWW culture. And then actively and consciously working towards those goals. You cannot legislate a better culture. You can only interactively work together to attain those cultural goals. And if we're not doing that, um, then we're going to have a toxic culture at the national level for the foreseeable future. And that's a problem. I think that about wraps it up. If other workers want to come out and talk, if you want to engage in this, if you want to revisit the the petition and talk about some points that you disagree with um as you have perhaps heard in the past i think fellow worker nick was on the podcast a while back and we talked about you know the union and i think that that was a very respectful and great conversation between fellow workers with slightly different visions but ultimately the same goals of organizing workers and 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 making sure that they had maximum power to to have functional lives um and and that's the type of conversation I think I'm into having, and that's what I'd love to have around these topics. So if folks want to talk about that shit and they want to jump in and have a have a conversation, um, but let's do it. All right, in that case, we'll see you later. Hi, it's future fellow worker Jason here with a quick programming note. If you'd like to be in the podcast, I'm working on a special episode that is going to attempt to build solidarity by having workers from all over share their terrible job stories because nothing says solidarity like shared suffering. So if you've got a tale about a bad day on the job, especially odd interaction with the public on the clock, or a bad boss, send us an email with the recording of your story and I'll edit them together. Thanks. And that's the show, folks. It was recorded and edited by me, fellow worker Jason. The intro and outro song are also by me, fellow worker Jason. If you'd like to join the IWW and be part of the One Big Union, go to iww.org join. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns for us, you can always email us at ypsilanti at iww.org. And until next time, an injury to one is an injury to all.